We are in part two of a message series we kicked off last week called Mastermind, and we're talking about the fact that if you can change your thinking, you can actually change your life. And today we're going to take a look at a verse from Philippians 4 as we talk about the power of our minds. And I won't make you put your hands up, but I'll I'll just throw this question out there. Um, How many of you would say, again, I won't make you put your hand up, don't put your spouse's hand up, okay? How many of you would say that you often make decisions that make no sense and are sometimes incredibly irrational? Incredibly irrational. The reason I won't ask you to put your hands up is because I didn't want to have to call those of you who didn't put your hands up liars. That would be very awkward because we all do that. You're either part of the group that says, yes, that's me, or you're part of the group that's in denial. I'm definitely part of the first group. I I regularly find myself explaining my actions to my wife. Um, Guys, maybe you can relate with a sentence that goes something like this. You know, it it made sense to me at the time. It really did. It made sense in my mind, but, but hearing you say it out loud back to me now, yeah, I can see how my actions would seem completely illogical. You ever been in a situation like that? Or, or maybe you do the traditional thing, which is just double down and try and defend your illogical behavior. So a couple of months ago, I confessed on Facebook that nothing makes you feel like a failure as a parent than realizing you're yelling the words, stop yelling at your own children, right? Because when things are tense and everyone's arguing, nothing lowers the tension quite like yelling louder than everybody else. That's clearly the most effective way to handle that situation. Maybe you can relate. You make up your mind that you're going to start eating healthy, and you do, for two whole days. And then somebody brings donuts into the office, and they're from Tim Hortons. And you tell yourself, you know, it would be unpatriotic to not eat one of these donuts, and I love my country. So you eat one bite, then you eat three more donuts. Then suddenly you drive to Timmy's during your lunch break and buy a whole dozen for yourself because you don't want to share. And since you're already going to nutrition hell, you decide you're going to chase it with a cinnamon roll as well. And then you think, why did I do that? Why did I do that? I'm going to start making wise financial decisions. We are going to get out of debt. And for 11 straight days, you make good financial decisions. Then an appliance breaks down and you freak out. So to soothe your anxiety, you hop online and find out that one of your favorite clothing stores is having a sale, which is good stewardship, right? I mean, how can saving 40% not be a good financial decision, you tell yourself, and then you have to buy some new shoes to match your new clothes, and, and suddenly you've talked yourself into believing that somehow spending money is saving money. In relationships, why is it so many times that when we know we should apologize, we just don't? When we know we should just take responsibility, we instead do the exact opposite and we blame the other person instead. Why is it that so often we don't do what's right, we do what's easy? We make irrational decisions. Why is it that we're so good at lying to ourselves? I'll share another story with you from my life. You know, when it comes to to fitness, one of the most awful realities about fitness is that abs are made in the kitchen. Any fitness coach will tell you that. You want a six-pack, you got to get your diet on point. And if you, if you don't work out at all, but your diet is on point, you're actually 99% of the way to having abs. This is why I like 
young boys have abs all the time. This is why I don't have abs. And so I do more than enough exercise to build those muscles, but, but the issue is that my abs are protected, you see, by a sleeping bag-like layer of padding. And to get a six-pack, I'd have to get my diet on point, which is never gonna happen. There was, however, a time in my life when I could have had abs. I was 19 years old. I was in Bible college, and my body fat percentage was low enough because my metabolism was so high. I was a young man. All I would have to do is some extremely minimal exercises, two, two minutes of setups a day, and, and I could have had abs, could have had a six-pack. Did I do that? No, no. I looked for the irrational, easy way out, and I found it on an infomercial. It was this belt, you might remember this, and you stuck a couple of batteries in it, and the promise was, the science was, this thing will, will shock you, send electrical shocks into your muscles, which will make them contract, which is like doing exercise without actually doing exercise. You can just sit on the sofa, watch TV, while your abs get toned, and that six-pack comes to fruition. Now even again, you just say that out loud and you're like, how could anyone possibly believe that's the way it works? How could anyone believe that by sitting still, you could actually be working out? Not only did I believe it, millions of people believed it. People bought millions of these things. Literally, if, if I just would have done some slow sit-ups for two minutes a day, I would have got better results than I got with this thing, but I believed it because I wanted to believe it. I was irrational because it was a lie that I wanted to believe, and I would drive to Bible college, carpool with my friends, I'd like lather up with this gel, put this thing on and, and sit there and they'd all be like, Jeff, you can't possibly think this is actually going to work. I'm like, guys, you just gotta have a vision of the future. This is where fitness is going. You gotta have the insight, open your mind to new possibilities. And they would laugh at me and I would do it every day to and from Bible college and of course, absolutely nothing happened. Nothing happened. And it's astonishing what we can convince ourselves of, isn't it? We, we can willingly cross the wires in our brain and believe things that aren't true. And if you were with us last week, we talked about whatever happens when we think a thought. Your brain is not static. It's not stationary. Your brain actually grows and evolves like a computer programming itself all the time. And every time you think a thought, it becomes a little bit easier to think that thought again. And your brain creates what are called neural pathways. A thought creates a pathway which makes it a little bit easier to think that thought again. And so every time you think that thought again, it becomes a little bit easier to think that thought like you're wearing down a path in the forest. And when you get in different situations, what does your brain do? What thought does your brain think? Well, it thinks the thoughts that follow the most well-worn pathways. It follows the path of least resistance. So the thoughts you've been thinking the most are the thoughts that your brain are gonna think the most again in the future. Which is great news if you're thinking good thoughts. The problem is most of the time we're not. Throughout your life, your experiences and your thoughts are defining truth in your brain. Programming your brain to believe whether or not certain things are true. In fact, would you make a note of this and we're going to unpack it. Really get this. What you think is true, what you think is true right now 
is determined by what you've thought over and over, even if those thoughts are not true. Let me say that again and make sure that we get this. It's a massive piece of insight that we all need to have because this is true for all of us. What you think is true is determined by what you've thought over and over, even if those thoughts are not true. So we better make sure that the thoughts we're thinking over and over again are actually true. You know, if a baby smiles and the mother smiles back and says, goo goo gaga, the baby's brain says, oh, smiling is good. And a pathway is formed in their brain. If a toddler touches something hot and it hurts, their brain says, ow, that was hot. So the brain creates a pathway that says, do not touch hot things, it hurts. If a kid wants a lollipop and says, I want a lollipop, and mom says no. Kid says, I want a lollipop, mom says no. Kid cries or throws a tantrum and the mom gives him a lollipop. Guess what that kid's brain says? The brain says, if you cry or throw a tantrum, you'll get a lollipop. I could kick off a whole series on parenting with that one little illustration, but I won't. But I'll just say to all of us parents that we should all remember that we should not be surprised when after programming our children's brains a certain way at home, they behave in accordance with their programming when we go out in public. You might have seen this all the time. You see kids behave a certain way in public and every parent is shocked when their kid behaves badly in public, like, oh, I have no idea why my little angel is behaving this way. This is coming out of the blue. It's, it's never coming out of the blue, ever. And I'm a victim of this. I'm not just playing judge here. I've learned this from experience the hard way. It's never coming out of the blue. My child doesn't cuss at strangers at home. Really, oh, really, really, all right, all right. So we've got to make sure we don't get out in public and act surprised when we program our children's brains one way at home and then they actually behave in accordance with that programming. Our brains are constantly evolving and creating neural pathways. Good news when you think, true thoughts. Bad news when your thoughts are based on lies because your brain basically doubles down and believes the lie even more intensely. And that's a problem because most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. There's a battlefield in the mind. And if I can be real transparent, I shared last week, most of the time, my thoughts are my own worst enemy. I can preach well for 45 minutes. You're saying, Jeff, be honest. Okay, I can preach well for a time about positive truth. But what happens before and, and what happens after I preach that message, or even this message, can be incredibly ugly. And that's why... That's why I'm really passionate about what we're studying in this series because I'm studying this stuff along with you. I'm trying to grow and change along with you and I'm realizing there's lots in my thinking that needs to change. There's areas where I need to grow a ton and I need to build some practices into my life to allow the Lord to renew my mind on a daily basis. That's what we're gonna talk about today. We're talking about the Apostle Paul and, and last week we read in his writings that the weapons that we have to deal with our thoughts are given to us by God and they're, they're not like the weapons of this world. They have divine power from heaven to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? It's a, it's a wrong thought pattern. It's when we've imprisoned our lives in our minds by believing lies 
that Satan has told to us. We've believed them as the truth and they've limited or imprisoned us in our lives. God's power, the Bible says, demolishes strongholds. The Apostle Paul said, we demolish, we crush, we vanquish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we do what? We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, as we talked about last week, we create new pathways in our minds. When we're in a situation and our mind just starts going down the path of least resistance, we don't just do that. We stop and we say, if this path is not the truth of God, I'm not going down that path. I'm gonna start wearing down a new pathway in my mind. I'm gonna form pathways based on truth instead of the lies of the enemy. Paul was such an incredible example of, of winning the war in our minds. He's writing from a Roman prison when he wanted to actually be in Rome preaching. And in prison, Paul wrote this powerful, weighty, encouraging letter to believers in a city called Philippi. And he ended his letter with a word of encouragement. And he didn't write, guys, I'm so discouraged. Will you please pray for me? He didn't say, guys, I'm hurting. Things are bad. He doesn't say, you know, I, I never thought I'd be in this situation. Where's God? Instead, in Philippians 4.8, it's on your outlines. Read it with me. He ends his letter by writing this. Don't ever forget this. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, underline that word, meditate on these things. Paul says, before I end this letter, I need you to not miss this. Here's what I need you to do. Here's your action step. Here's how you put into practice everything I've said to you in this letter up to this point. I had you underline the word meditate because it's so important. Why would Paul say this? Why would he end with this instruction? Because your life and my life are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. If a thought comes into your mind, it's going to come out in your life. You can't have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Your thoughts matter so much. Your thoughts are shaping who you're becoming. And if you can't control what you think, you'll never be able to control what you do. If you have a mind that is allowed to run out of control, you'll never have a life that's under control. Why is it that we so often make irrational, unwise, ungodly decisions? Because the wires in our brain are, are crossed. And that's why this week I want to share with you one of the two disciplines that I'm working on building in my life right now on a daily basis. I'll tell you the other one next week. Essentially what I'm doing is I'm training my mind. I'm training my mind. How do you train your mind? Well, the best way to understand it is exactly the same way that you train your body. If I go to the gym and I'm doing pull-ups, what am I doing? I'm training my arms, I'm training my shoulders because certain exercises target certain parts of the body. So if I wanna train my mind toward truth, I have to do exercises that target my thoughts. In the society that we live in, our bodies don't default toward being healthy. Have you noticed this? That if you just eat what commercials tell you to eat, if you just go to restaurants that claim to be serving good food all the time, 
you're not going to default toward being healthy in the society that we live in. And similarly, our minds do not default toward thinking healthy thoughts. Our minds don't default toward the truth. So we have to make lifestyle decisions in order to have a healthy body, but also to have a healthy mind. We've got to choose to live a certain way. So how can I train my mind to meditate on truth instead of the lies that I'm so easily fooled by? How do we do that? We're looking at this word meditation. And you might say, Jeff, meditation, isn't that kind of, kind of new agey? I mean, what are we going to do? Get rid of the chairs, put carpets, and start sitting cross-legged and claim that we're having enlightenment? Well, not at all. Meditation is simply engaging in mental exercise. It's intentionally directing and focusing your thoughts in a specific direction. Write this down. Meditation is intentionally focusing your thoughts in a specific direction. A specific direction. For some of you, you might be able to do this longer than others. Some of you, it might be three seconds and then there's a squirrel or a shiny object or something, but the idea is the same. It's intentionally focusing your thoughts in a specific direction. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. They're on your outline. In Psalm 119, David says, I will meditate, underline meditate. I will meditate on your precepts. That's just saying your commandments. I'll meditate on your commandments and contemplate your ways. God, I'm focusing my mind on your commands, on your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. God, I'm gonna focus my mind on your word. In Psalm 143, David writes, I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. God, I'm thinking about your truth. I'm thinking about your presence. I'm thinking about what you've done in my life. I'm thinking about the incredible things you've made all around me. I'm meditating on you. If the concept behind Eastern meditation is emptying your mind, what we're talking about, what the Bible is talking about is the exact opposite. We're talking about filling your mind with the truth of God. Just as I train my body, I want to train my mind toward truth. And so I've started training my mind to focus on God's truth because it doesn't come naturally. And I'm doing this a couple of different ways in my life. I'll give you one example. I'm a person, I don't know about you, but I'm a person who struggles to pray for 15 minutes straight. We used to do like three days of prayer and fasting at my last church. And my pastor could do it and he'd get the staff together in the auditorium in the morning and be like, Okay, guys, just sit on your own and let's just pray for 45 minutes together. And so what I would hear is like, oh, okay, so three minutes of prayer and 42 minutes of thinking random thoughts. That sounds productive. Here we go. Because for me, it usually goes, if I sit down and I'm going to focus and pray, it's usually like, Father, thank you so much for the chance to come to you in prayer today. And I, I can't help wondering, Lord, just how many watts are powering that light bulb over there right now because it's an LED and LED uses way less power than a conventional bulb and I think a a 65 watt conventional is usually about six watts in an LED and oh, I, I did it and before you know it, I've prayed for 15 whole minutes. I don't know that anything's happened but time's certainly passed. That's usually how it goes for me. But I want to be someone who, who prays as, as part of my lifestyle. So I started building in 
triggers for prayer. I talked about one of them with Voice of the Martyrs, even on social media, that helps me pray for the persecuted church. Whenever now I read something awful in the news, like something awful has happened, I I always respond now, I pray for the victims, but I also pray for the the perpetrators, so that I'm not overwhelmed with hopelessness, but, but a reminder instead that God can save anyone, he can heal anyone, and I pray intentionally. I use that as a trigger. Whenever I have a, a disagreement with somebody and I leave that disagreement, I try and pray as a first step that God would work on my heart to stop bitterness building up. And I, I build all these little triggers into my life as much as I can. And, and recently I've been changing the way I pray even more. And I'm still in process on this because my goal isn't just to pray more. My goal is to actually, actually change the way that I think. And I've started realizing that, that for most of my life, I've been praying for things that if I think about it, I know God is already doing. And here's what I mean. Uh, for example, a family I know that's going through a difficult time, I would, I would normally pray, Father, please be with them. Father, please comfort them. Please encourage them and strengthen their, their faith. And, and those are all good things to pray for. But there are also things that, that I guarantee God is already doing. If this family belongs to Jesus and loves Jesus, then I know for a fact that God is with them. I know for a fact that he's comforting them. I know for a fact he's encouraging them. I know for a fact he's strengthening them. So try to change the way that I pray to line up my thoughts with reality. Now I'll pray, Father, thank you so much that you are with them. Lord, please help them to sense your presence. Thank you that you're comforting them. Help them to receive your comfort, receive your encouragement, and receive your strength. And for me, there's a big difference there because the goodness and the provision of God are not in question. God provides everything that we need. Whenever we feel like he's not, it's never because he's failing to do his part. It's because we're failing to receive the comfort or the peace that he's offering to us. We're failing to stand in it. We're failing to walk in it. And so now all of those prayers when I pray, instead of having thoughts in the back of my mind, I wish God would do this, I wish God would do this. Now all these prayers become meditations on the goodness of God because as I pray, I'm reminding myself, programming my mind, God is with them because he's with everyone who loves him who's hurting. God is comforting them because his spirit is the comforter and his spirit dwells in every believer. And I'm changing the way that I think by meditating instead on the goodness and the character of God instead of casting doubt on the character of God. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't allow the brokenness of the world and the difficulties we face to discourage me the same way. The goal is to instead take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ by turning them into meditations on his goodness. Rather than meditating on the brokenness of the world, I want to meditate on the goodness and greatness of God. So scientifically speaking, I'm creating new neural pathways, but spiritually speaking, I'm trying to work with God to allow him to renew my mind and my thoughts. I'm not believing lies. I'm doing everything I can to embrace the truth instead. Now let me apply this to to what we talked about last week because this could really be a, a game changer for some of you. If you could change your thinking, you could truly change your life because your thoughts matter that much. And we asked two questions last week. The first question was, what's the number one stronghold? What's the number one lie in your mind from Satan that you've started to believe as a truth? What's the number one lie that's holding you back in life? Is it that you're not good enough? 
Is it that after what you've done, God could never use you? God could never have a great life for you? Is it that you're always gonna struggle financially because everyone in your family does? You're never gonna get ahead. You're never gonna be able to be a blessing to everybody because you're always gonna be playing catch up. Maybe it's that relationally you're just such a mess. You're never gonna have real intimacy. You're never gonna be close to anybody. You're always gonna screw up. Everybody in your family battles with weight, so you're always gonna battle with it. It's just part of who you are, so you should get used to it. What's the stronghold? What's the lie that you've started to believe is a truth that's holding you back in your life? And then we asked as well for each of us to identify the truth in God's word that demolishes that stronghold. And if you haven't done that this week, I wanna encourage you to do this, to really do this. Find the truth in God's word, seek it out, ask for help if you need to, that demolishes this. But, but listen, here's the number one thing. Don't come out of this series the same way you were at the beginning of it. If you're believing a lie, if your life is being limited, the same kind of thinking that got you into that situation is not going to get you out of it. If there's something about your life that you hate, that is limiting you because you believed a lie, do something about it. Do something about it. It's not going to fix itself. God has truth for you and truth for me to set us free, but we've got to agree with his truth in order to be set free. You gotta believe that I'm not what I buy. That's not who I am. I'm not how many comments or likes I get on my Instagram post that I edited to put a filter on to make me look 10 years younger. I'm I'm not a hostage, I'm not a prisoner to that addiction. I have the power of Christ dwelling within me and I can overcome that thing that's been haunting me. My God is for me, my God is a great provider. He meets all my needs so that I can be a blessing to others. Whatever it is, find and name that truth from God's word that demolishes that stronghold. This is what I need you to understand. You need to write it. Don't just get in the ballpark, write it, think it, and then confess that truth until you believe it. Write it, think it, and then confess it until you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Form new neural pathways as the power of God's word transforms and renews your mind so that you don't keep reacting in line with the lies that have held you hostage for the past, but instead react with the truth that's now dwelling in your mind. You write it, you think it, you confess it, and you believe it. You write it, think it, confess it, and believe it. And I don't know how this will play out in your mind, but, but so many of us are worried all the time. You're a hostage to your fears. You lie awake at night worrying. What are you going to do? You're going to write it, you're going to think it, you're going to confess it, and you're going to believe it. And yours might go like this. This might be your declaration. Because of Jesus, I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. You write it, you think it, you confess it until you believe it. Maybe you say, I don't know what to do. I can't make a decision. I don't know what the will of God is. I'm afraid I'm gonna mess it up. So you begin declaring every day, my life belongs to God. Daily I seek him and he directs my steps. I know his voice because I belong to him and he leads me in his perfect will. Maybe you lack confidence. You feel like you're never good enough, like you never measure up. You can never make a difference. You declare the truth. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone because his spirit lives within me. I can do everything and anything he calls me to do. You write it, you think it, and you confess it 
until you believe it. And listen, let's be real. You're going to feel foolish at first if you do this. You're going to feel foolish because you're going to be saying something you want to believe is true, but your life says something different at that moment. Keep renewing your mind. Keep renewing your mind. A few minutes every day, sparking the brain that God so intricately created in you to create new neural pathways, new ways of thinking, truth, 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 truth. You write it, you think it, and you confess it until you believe it. And then one day, the wires aren't crossed. There's a different neural pathway, and it will just click. It'll just click. Have you ever had that experience with something when when it just all of a sudden clicked you were working on a skill or a movement and it seemed like forever you were making no progress and then one day it just clicked it just clicked I know I don't do this often but I'm going to use a CrossFit analogy but uh, when I started I remember I couldn't do one pull-up I couldn't do one pull-up and so what they have you do is they have you use these rubber bands you tie it over the bar and you put one foot in and you get some assistance and I had like the thickest big green band and everybody you call the bands by their colors so like if you're a total rookie you're using the green band I was using the green band and like dying dying well you know there's there's woman eight months pregnant on the bar next to me with no band just doing their thing and you're just sitting there like this is the worst I'm just awful I should just quit and I'm dying, I'm dying. And I asked one guy, I remember, I, I sought out like the biggest, most out of shape guy I could find who could do pull-ups. And I asked him, I was like, man, how long did it take you to be able to do like pull-ups in a workout? And he was like, a year, if you're aggressive and really intentional about it. I was like, okay, fantastic. So I did, so I did. And that was, that was just under three years ago. We tested it last month and, and about a month ago I did 30 pull-ups in a row. 30 pull-ups in a row, not because I'm amazing, not because I'm amazing at all, but just because I kept working. I really, really wanted to program my body, and eventually my body started responding to the programming. And the good news is for any of us, when it comes to the mind, if we will want to walk and think the truth with that same level of focus, we can change our mind. We can actually change the way that we think if we will realize that our thoughts, as Paul would say, are of far greater value than our bodies are or our diets or anything like that. When you start making these faith declarations about your life, you're going to feel stupid. Satan's going to be all over you. He's going to be like, come on, are you for real right now? Are you for real? Can you imagine if your spouse heard what you were saying? I'm a man of God, full of confidence. Oh, stop. He's going to be all over you because it's going to look nothing like the way your life is right now. It's going to seem a million miles away from reality. Don't stop. Don't stop. This is about where your life is going. Your thoughts are driving the direction of your life. You're going to chew up some distance in your life over the next couple of years. And your thoughts are going to determine what direction you go in. You're going to reach a destination in the next couple of years. Your thoughts are going to decide which kind of destination you're going to reach. So if you'll keep doing this, one day all of a sudden things will click and you would have worn down these neural pathways so smooth that your mind will actually default towards these truthful thoughts because those will be the easiest paths to go down. You want to write it, think it, and confess it until you believe it. 
You'll take two steps forward, one step back, then three steps forward, two steps back. You continue, you continue as God renews your mind and then one day, one day you're hit with something and instead of reacting with the thought based on the lie, you react with the thought based on the truth. And I want to be real honest with you. I'm, I'm going to share with you the declaration that I'm, I'm working on starting my days with right now. These are the things, the truths from God's word that counteract the lies that, that I'm prone to believe. And I shared with you last week that, that my struggle is feeling like I'm never giving everything in my life the attention that I should be giving. I always feel like when I'm doing a good job at something, it's because I'm doing a bad job at something else. I'm always dropping the ball on something. I'm always letting somebody down because there's never enough hours in the day, never enough energy in my body, and it gets overwhelming. And when it gets overwhelming, you, you have to cheat somewhere. And for most people, then they, they, they cheat at work. Hey, I'm, I'm really tired from my life at home, so I'll give a little bit of subpar effort at work. That's where I'll recharge. For me, my work is the church. It's teaching the word of God. So, so when I'm tired from home and I'm not giving 100% at my job, I feel like I'm cheating God. There's incredible guilt that comes with that. So what, what do I need to do with, the, with these struggles that I have? Well, I need to wake up every day and I need to renew my mind at the beginning of the day. Why the beginning of the day? Because if you do it at the end of the day, all you're going to be thinking is like, oh yeah, I should have done that today. I should have done that today. It's just going to be an exercise in looking back with regret rather than looking forward with faith. So you need to take in God's word every day and I focus my mind and I work on training it to focus. And so here are some truths from God's word that I pray and declare over myself and, and for others. And this is based on the lies that I battle and the truths of God's word that demolish those lies. I'll just share with you, this is what I have. I, I stand in front of the mirror, find space on my own, and I, and I pray, and I say, and I believe, I confess, I belong to Jesus, not because I never let go of him, but because he never lets go of me. I'm a blessing to my heavenly Father because Jesus has made me righteous. Today was given to me by God to enjoy him and glorify him, and my life is saturated in the goodness of God. God has a part for me to play in his story today, and he prepared good works for me to walk in. Through his spirit, God has equipped me with the time, energy, abilities, and resources to accomplish his will for my life this day. I will love bless and serve Charlene and the Lord will deepen our connection today. I will love, bless and serve our children. They will grow deeper in their love for the Lord as they grow into men and women who will do more for the kingdom than we did and live lives surrendered to Jesus. Failure, disappointment and discouragement do not break me. They only cause me to rely more on Jesus and become more like Jesus. No matter what happens today, my God will accomplish something good through it. I have the mind of Christ and his spirit within me. I'm not ruled by my flesh. I'm ruled by the spirit of God. And this day belongs to him. So why am I trying to confess this every day, every day? Because my life is moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. What comes into your mind will come out in your life. 
So you and I are going to recognize that the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. They're given to us by God to demolish strongholds so that we can take every thought captive and bring it subject to the authority of Jesus. So if I ask you today, how many of you need some help renewing your mind? How many of you would say that there's a battle in your mind that you're not always winning? Most of you would say, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. I need God to renew my mind with the truth. I'll say it again. Hear me on this. If that's you, if that's a problem for you, do something about it. Do something about it. We're talking about naming that number one stronghold. Don't just say, ah, yeah, maybe later, maybe later. Do something about it. Take those thoughts captive. Start building practices into your life that are going to change the way you think. Don't lose the battle. Get, get in agreement with God about what he wants to do in your mind, the way he wants to renew your mind. And then if you've, if you've done what we talked about last week, if you've found that number one stronghold and you've found the truth from the word of God that demolishes that lie, let me encourage you to consider putting together a declaration to start your day with. It doesn't have to be a certain length. It's just got to be based on the truth of God's word. And put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your car steering wheel. And, and say it out loud. Find a way to do that. Do it if you're driving, if you need to. Keep your eyes on the road, though. You can tweak it. You can revise it as you go. That's fine. You can add to it. But if you're dealing with strongholds in your mind, do something about it. Do something about it. And here's what I love about, about what the science and the word of God says about our minds. If you don't understand how the mind works, you might hear this and you might be like, oh, that's just so religious. You're just saying the same thing over and over and over again. You know, your heart might not be in that every morning if you're doing it. Well, keep your heart in it. And it's the same because you're trying to program your mind. You're trying to program your mind. Your mind drifts towards lies all the time, automatically. And so what you're saying is, I'm going to reprogram my mind in a different direction. You and I have minds that are wired to work a certain way. What this is about is about saying, yeah, I'm going to use what the Word of God tells me about my mind. I'm going to use that information to program my mind towards the truth. That's what we're talking about doing. Write it, think it, and then confess it until you believe it. And so with that, in just a second, we're going to pray. Uh, we're going to pray and, and, and I'm going to share a declaration for you as a follower of Jesus when we pray in just a moment. Then we're going to have a time of worship. There's communion available in the back. So with that, let, let's bow our head and close our eyes and let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your truth and thank you for the promise that your truth sets us free, that we'll know the truth and it will set us free. So Lord, I pray that we would receive and, and welcome your truth. Help us to focus our minds, to meditate on you, your power, your goodness, your kingdom, your glory, your truth, and your word, God. Help us to form new pathways and to let the lies grow over and become neglected in our thinking. We ask for your spirit that dwells within us to give us victory as we enter these battles. Lord, we pray for renewed minds. 
Before we worship, I just want to ask all of you to stay in this attitude of prayer. And, and as I said, I just want to declare some truth over you as a pastor and, and as a friend. And, and I think I understand some of the lies that hold many of us hostage. So I've got some truth for us from the Word of God. If you belong to Jesus, then this is true of you. If you belong to Jesus, this is true of you. And if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable, you're welcome to just put your hands out in front of you in a posture just to receive. If you're crazy Pentecostal, you can lift your hands to the heavens. This is God's truth for you who belong to Jesus. And I want you to feel it. I want you to receive it. I want you to think it. I want you to confess it. I want you to believe it. Let me tell you who you are in Christ. You're strong and you're mighty in Christ. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. You're a weapon of righteousness in a dark world. You're not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what anybody else says you are. You are who God says you are. And our God says you're forgiven. He says you're redeemed. He says you're free. And he says you are his. You're not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts or your family history. The weapons that you fight with are not weapons of this world. They have the power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the word of God guiding your steps. Worry is not your master. You trust in God and his peace guards your heart. It guards your mind and it guards your soul in Christ Jesus. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. You're not a slave to your habits. You're not a prisoner to any addiction. You've been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. You're empowered. You're called. You've been chosen. You're a masterpiece that was created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you before the world was ever made. Your God will bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can bring him glory and be a blessing to others. Your God is for you. Your God is with you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Nothing, church, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not angels, not demons, not the present, not the past, not any weapon will separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Not because you can hold on to him, but because he will not let go of you. Step into the truth. You are who God says you are. The battle rages, but through Jesus, you've already won the war. That's the truth about who you are. Receive that. That's the truth about your life. Now walk in it. Confess it until you believe it. The songs that we're going to sing are confessions. So confess it until you believe it. Stand in his truth. Just be still before the Lord right now. And if you've been able to identify that stronghold in your life, even now, will you just begin praying the truth from God's word that demolishes that stronghold, thanking him that the truth is what his word says about you, your life, and your situation. 
Well, thanks for taking this time to listen and be in the Word of God with us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then you need to go to our website, mynewhope.ca, right now. When you get there, you'll see a graphic on our homepage that says the gospel. Click on that and you'll be able to watch a short video where we share the best news you'll ever hear in your life. It's more important than whatever else you're doing right now. So stop whatever else you're doing, go to mynewhope.ca and click on the gospel. If God has blessed you through this message, we'd love to hear about it. Shoot us an email at info at mynewhope.ca and let us know how God has impacted your life through his word. If you're in the greater Vancouver area, I want to invite you personally to come and be a part of New Hope Church. We believe God is doing something real special as we grow together in our faith and love for Jesus, and we would love you to be a part of it. And finally, if you'd like to support the Bible teaching ministry of New Hope through financial giving, you can also do that through our website. Just go to mynewhope.ca slash give. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being in the Word of God with us. And always remember, God is with you.